You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. And we actually going to take a little break here uh, as we lead up to training camp on Lockdown Browns. And of course, on Lockdown, Bra- uh, Lockdown Ravens, your host, Jeff Lloyd of Lockdown Browns, joined today by Kevin Ostreicher of Lockdown Ravens. Um, with training camp getting so close, and I know Kevin, and as confident as he is uh, with the Ravens franchise, and for all my Browns listeners, obviously the confidence level just continues to grow for the product that we think is going to be coming here for 2021. We both feel pretty confident that this is a two-team race in the 2021 season for the AFC North. It's going to be interesting how it all breaks down. Uh, obviously, each team has you know made some acquisitions, some changes. We're going to get into that stuff. We're going to talk about the schedule a little bit. It's a little unique, the way the Browns-Ravens games will break down in 2021. We'll get to that in the last segment, talk a little bit more on the AFC North. But uh, along for the ride here, your host, Jeff Lloyd, joined Mr. Kevin Ostriker. Kevin, how are we doing, buddy? Yeah, Jeff, it's good to be back here talking with you. And look, we should be confident in, in the teams that we're covering here. I mean, the Ravens and the Browns, I think, both did a lot in the offseason to get better. I think, you know, as we'll talk about later in the show, it will probably be these two teams competing for the AFC North title. And, and I'm just excited to get back to football. I know it's been a long time coming here over these last couple of months, and I'm excited to talk football with you. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, you get, you know, it seems, as much as it seems like the playoffs weren't that far Behind us, you get to that struggle bus, essentially, after the NFL draft, where it just seems like days just don't come off the calendar. But luckily, here we are, closer and closer, uh, players getting ready to show up for training camp. Um, Obviously, some changes uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, J.K. Dobbins, bigger role now as Mark Ingram is gone. Gus Edwards, bigger role, contract extension. Uh, A new toy, and this is one that probably stings Browns fans a little bit. Everybody was huge fans. Ever shot Bateman during the draft process. And coincidentally enough, usually if a Browns fans are a fan of somebody, they usually remain somewhere in the AFC North. So they get to see him two times a year. But changes, uh, offensive line, old buddy Kevin Zeitler down there, uh, moved on from, you know, big old Zeus Jr. at the tackle position. Uh, talk to us a little about Kevin, about what's essentially kind of new going into the 2021 training camp. Yeah, Jeff, you hit on a lot of it there. I think heading into this offseason the ravens really wanted to put a point not only to get lamar jackson more weapons but the offensive line was a huge part to them and you mentioned kevin zeitler who i think is going to be a great guy inserted there at right guard a very steady veteran obviously stints with cincinnati obviously cleveland and the giants they did move off of orlando brown jr that was a move they would have probably not have wanted to make in other circumstances but orlando brown jr nothing against the ravens organization but he had a dream his father had a dream for him the late orlando brown senior of him to go out there and play left tackle at the nfl level at the highest level and there were stories out there of orlando brown senior when orlando brown jr was in youth football camp and orlando brown senior would go to the coaches and say look if orlando brown jr here if my son cannot play left tackle put him on defense i don't want to play any other position on the offensive line so Orlando Brown Jr. plays left tackle in college. The Ravens move him over to the right side because of Ronnie Stanley, and you're not moving Ronnie Stanley because he's so good. And as Orlando Brown Jr. got that experience at left tackle at the NFL level because Ronnie Stanley suffers that pretty gruesome ankle injury against Pittsburgh midway through the year, Orlando Brown Jr. says, all right, you know what? It's been great in Baltimore. I love my teammates. I love the organization. I grew up here, but it's time for me to go. And, you know, I think it stung a lot of people that he ended up going to Kansas City, Baltimore getting back. 
a first round pick did have to give up their second and a couple other of mid to late round selections in there. But also the team drafting guard Ben Cleveland. They bring in Taco Alejandro Villanueva, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So kind of assembling a, a mini AFC North line there. They're also moving Bradley Bozeman <laughs> from the left guard position over to center, which he played in Alabama. So if you look back to the Buffalo game during the 2021 playoffs, I mean, that offensive line probably had their worst performance of the entire season. Patrick McCarry, who was the center at the time, snapped the ball over Lamar Jackson's head, and that whole play resulted in Jackson getting a concussion. So the Ravens probably said, look, we've had enough of this. Let's get our offensive line in shape now with Marshall Yonda retiring after the 2020 year, it kind of, or after the 2019 year. It kind of made things difficult. They were shuffling. So that was a really good part that they did. I think they upgraded their offensive line really well. The wide receivers as well. Rashad Bateman, you mentioned. Very big fan. This was like the guy that I had circled for Baltimore in terms of a wide receiver because I said, all right, they're probably not going to trade up for Jamar Chase. They're probably not going to trade up for Jalen Wild or Devonta Smith. But Rashad Bateman, I think, checks all the boxes for what they need. They also brought in Sammy Watkins, who... You know, they were interested in T.Y. Hilton. They were interested in Juju Smith-Schuster. But I think Sammy Watkins fits a role for them if he can stay healthy for a full 17 games. And I know he has had his share of injury issues. You know, it could be a bit of a really improved passing offense. I think an offense that also will see a bit of schematic changes. I know Greg Roman is probably feeling a bit of pressure because of all of the flack he's been getting after, you know, kind of constructing one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL, but the passing offense not being up to that level. On defense, the biggest issue for the Ravens, I think the biggest weakness of the team, is the edge rush position. The team lost Matthew Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, and Jihad Ward. That's 12 sacks of production, so, you know, not a huge total number. But I think the pressures they were able to bring in uh, could be a bit of a problem because they didn't really do a ton in that department. They have been linked to Justin Houston. They haven't really done that. They drafted Adafi Owe in the first round. They brought in Dalen Hayes, but they're going to be relying on Tyus Bowser. Jalen Ferguson, and some other guys as well. So we'll see what ends up happening. I think the roster in general is pretty pretty good. I, you know, the edge rusher position is the one position I could maybe see them making a move at, whether it be a final signing or a trade deadline acquisition. But I think the mood in Baltimore right now is very good, especially with the moves they made on the offensive side of the ball. Well, you know, and obviously with your general manager down there, he's never been shy if thinking that his team was there to, you know, go ahead and pull the trigger, you know, come trade deadline, you know, get this team what it needs. <clears throat> Obviously, Marcus Peters was that move a couple of years ago. Uh, <clears throat> I do want to hit <clears throat> a little bit on the wide receivers, though. <clears throat> it seems every year there's another guy brought in. Is it the, the wide receivers having a hard time finding their way within the Ravens passing game? Or is it something else? The tight ends haven't struggled. The running backs have never struggled in the receiving game. You know, Lamar Jackson, it seems statistically every year, he's able to do what he needs to do. What is the reason that it just never seems to come to fruition, whatever type of wide receiver they've tried to this point with Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? Yeah, Jeff, I think what they've been trying to do is is they've been trying to develop that receiver on their own. And you, you can look back a couple years ago when it was still Joe Flacco at the helm and they were bringing in guys like Steve Smith who worked out really well. But then it was Jeremy Macklin and it was Michael Crabtree and John Brown and Willie Sneed. And, you know, Sneed stuck around for a few years and he was he yes. was a decent playmaker for them, but he was no number one wide receiver. And that's what people have been clamoring for for so long in Baltimore is that number one wide receiver type player like Steve Smith was, or you go back to Anquan Bolden or Derek Mason, those types of players. 
And I think what the Ravens have been trying to do is develop those a bit on their own. They took Rashad Perriman in the first round a few years ago. That did not work out for them, although he's kind of carved out a nice role for himself in the NFL. Then it was Marquise Brown, the first receiver taken in the 2019 draft over guys like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. And that was a controversial decision in its own. I don't think Brown is a bad player. I really like him in the Baltimore offense. But, you know, he is a he's not a situational guy, more so as, you know, he's a slot receiver, a little bit on the smaller side. But he's not a, I think, true number one, you know, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf type player but in his role he's phenomenal and i think he's going to do great things this year especially with the pressure being taken off of him and mark andrews with bateman and watkins but i think receivers are starting to see a little bit of what people are saying about the ravens offense and and just their priorities in general you know they're saying that all right i want to go somewhere where i can catch footballs and in baltimore they run the football more than they throw it so is this the right situation Mm -hmm. for me it it takes a certain kind of player to want to play in baltimore and to be honest that's completely okay john harbaugh has said that's completely okay with him as well he's not gonna beg anybody to come to baltimore and with the ravens they have a bunch of young guys on the roster right now they have brown and they have miles boykin who hasn't panned out so far they have devin duvernay and james prochet who they drafted in the 2020 draft. Now it's Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace, who they drafted in the 2021 draft. So they're tr- they're taking their shot to trying to develop a guy for them who they can say, hey, look, we developed him, and then bringing in the veteran help along the way. So as the Ravens, I think, up their passing offense this season, I think it will become more of an attractive destination to veteran wide receivers. But the Ravens, again, they're not going to tell anybody, hey, we need you here. We, you know, this is you or bust for us. They're going to take anybody who is a good fit for them and wants to play, who buys into that culture. So they're not just going to sign anybody. They're going to wait for the right fit there. And for them, Sammy Watkins was that guy on the veteran side of the ball. And, you know, he's an interesting toy, obviously, and there's certain things you can do with him, uh, you know, not just traditional wide receiver things. So, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, if the health holds up, if there is still something left in the tank, and maybe even if there's not, um, you know, you mentioned, obviously, you know, they are now, what, five, six wide receivers deep not counting a Sammy Watkins um, with Rashard Bateman coming in, you know, I, and Thielen Wallace who was another player. I thought, you know, pretty highly of in this draft class. So it should be interesting how that works out for my Browns listeners, Kevin, for anybody who's a name or two, maybe somebody is going to step up, become more maybe of a focal point for the Ravens in the 2021 season. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go defense here. And I, I will say Tyus Bowser, I talked about him a little bit, a couple minutes ago, but he is now, you know, everything considered, all things embodied. He is now the new number one edge rusher in Baltimore. And this is coming off of a year where he, he stepped up to the plate in the snaps that he had. He had 34 total tackles. He had two sacks, but ended up having three interceptions and five passes defended. So, you know, yeah, I remember. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He made some plays against that Cleveland Browns team in that wild, wonderful game in week 14. But he he's a player who is now going to have a ton of responsibility in this Baltimore defense, especially with Judon gone and Gakwe gone, Ward gone. He has to step up to the plate, and I certainly think he has that potential. But, you know, when people look at the Ravens edge rusher group in general, it's where's the pass rushing production. Jalen Ferguson has four and a half career sacks. Pernell McPhee, who is probably, you know, not going to be on the field for, 
80, 75% of snaps. He's more of a situational guy. He right now has 71.2% of all Ravens sacks over the course of their careers in terms of the edge rushers. So Bowser is going to be a guy who has to step up and instead of having two sacks, he's going to need to have five, six, seven, you know, be a guy who can contribute in that role. So I think he's going to step up to the plate there. Also, Second-year defensive tackle Justin Matabuike. He was a guy coming out of Texas A&M who showed some flashes. Again, stats aren't going to pop off the screen. 19 tackles in a sack. Missed some time earlier in the year with an injury. But now with Clayus Campbell, Derek Wolf, and Brandon Williams, another year over the age of 30, I think the Ravens are going to try to scale back their snaps early in the year to keep them fresh for the stretch run that's going to be very difficult. And again, we'll talk about that a little later. But I think Matabuike gets another extended opportunity here, much like he did a little bit towards the end of the year last year. He's a guy who can generate interior pressure, can hold up against the run, and can chase down screens for a big guy, which I think kind of reminds me of former Ravens defensive tackle Haloti Nada. So what you see is a couple of defensive guys who are going to have to step up because the secondary, it's there with, with Humphrey, Peters, Jimmy Smith. You have the safeties in the Sean Elliott and Chuck Clark as well. So the front seven is going to have to have some guys step up. Also, former Ohio State linebacker Malik Harrison entering his second year. Could he get some more snaps? So a bunch of young guys on the, the defensive side of the ball that I think can make an impact for sure. Uh, obviously, guys, the Ravens are going to need to step up here. Um I'll just ask you this, Kevin, going where this team is right now, heading into 2021, as opposed to where you were with the roster you had heading into 2020, do you feel the roster's better, equal, needs a little more help? I, I think I think it's better overall, but I still think they could use help at the edge rusher position. I, I've mentioned Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram signed with Pittsburgh, so he's no longer an option. Houston is the only guy to me who moves the needle. For them at this point, I, I, Olivier Vernon, you know, could he be great in a situational role? Yes, but the injury obviously happened. And I just don't think he is a player moves needle for Baltimore needs. So on offense, I think this team is definitely better. The loss over Landon Brown Jr. hurts. But I think the rest of the upgrades they made at the offensive line position as well as the wide receiver position kind of null that out a little bit or nullify it a little bit. On defense, yes, the edge rusher losses do hurt as well. But I think another year for Patrick Queen in this defense, another year for Deshaun Elliott in this defense will help. So I'll say this roster is a bit better than it was in 2020. But I do think that they could definitely stand to potentially add Justin Houston and kind of round out that defense and and, and make it a, a not just great, great unit, but I think that could really project them and propel them into becoming an elite one once again. Uh, interesting thoughts here from Kevin on what we will uh, can expect to see from the 2021 Baltimore Ravens. We're going to flip it up here. We're going to talk a little Browns and then uh, you know, we'll get a little bit more into the regular season in segment three as we continue. Basically, hey, a little early crossover. Locked on Ravens, locked on Browns. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wind off from pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer. Choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And Rock Auto prices are liable low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on on the how'd you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection of live below prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We return here. It is our second segment of this Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns crossover. Kevin Ostrecker of Locked On Ravens here. 
with Jeff Lloyd of Locked on Browns. We just talked about the Ravens in the first segment. So now we're going to flip it and talk about the Browns here in the second segment. A team that, Jeff, I don't know if you remember, we were talking towards the beginning of last season. And I said, look, this Browns team is for real now. They have the guy in Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry. I thought did a phenomenal job. And they almost shocked the world in a sense. They proved that they could do it <laughs> again. I think that the AFC North is going to be between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns, a very close divisional battle. But Jeff, when you look at this Cleveland Browns roster, I mean, honestly, it's very hard for me to find a hole on it. I know that obviously the one of the big storylines is Odell Beckham coming back from his major injury, but I think the additions this team made really helped them based off of the weaknesses that I think we saw during the 2020 season. And I think that big weakness was on defense in the secondary. Obviously, guys like Andrews and Deho didn't, <laughs> didn't really work out to the best of their ability. So what happens? Andrew Bray goes out and brings in John Johnson, one of the best safeties, in my opinion, in the entire league. I think a great fit in that defense. Troy Hill, another guy, obviously. Also, Greg Newsom. You have Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I mean, I, I I really like how this Browns roster is built. Not to say that, you know, the Ravens roster isn't built well, but I really do like what the Browns have done here. So, Jeff, when you look at the moves that the Browns made in the offseason, I'll ask the same question you posed to me. What has changed on this Browns team, and what do you like or dislike about it? Uh, well, first thing, and this is one thing that we've actually been doing here, you know, with our talks leading up to training camp for years, covering the Cleveland Browns, talking about training camp. It was it was so nice to try and find the Cinderella stories. You know what that means? It means your team's not very good. Um, it means there's a lot of shot in the darks, have a chance to make a big time statement or, you know, grab some playing time that nobody saw coming. This year, it's going to be the vice versa. You know, we're we're covering we're talking about some certain players that are not going to be here come Labor Day weekend, you know, when this has to be cut down to the final 53. They are just that deep now. And I think this is one thing that they maybe learned last year while going through, you know, when the Browns, much like some other franchises, had a lot of, you know, COVID issues, not necessarily players text testing negative, but players being in situations where they were gone and had to be out for the seven days. And what it was was making sure that, you know, your depth – can be relied upon, can be trusted. And when you have to go to a, they're ready to go and they're talented players. You're not just crossing your fingers or you're not starting a practice squad cornerback in a road playoff game in Pittsburgh, similar to what the Browns had to do last year. They just continued to try to double up everywhere. You know, you already had Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You take on a chance on a running back in the sixth round, Demetric Felton, player that receives the ball well, runs the ball well. You look at that wide receiver room. Yes, you lost Odell last year. And one thing that showed for that wide receiver room was, wow, we don't have a deep threat here. Wow, Odell is the only deep threat we had. You had Donovan Peoples-Jones, who wasn't playing much. Now you look at him for year two. You go out, and this was a pick I nailed in Anthony Schwartz. You need speed. And you look at what Kansas City does and you know, what, what, how they succeed. Obviously very similar to what the Ravens do. You need a guy... And it doesn't matter if he's a consistent catcher. It doesn't matter if he's one of the greatest receivers in the game. You need somebody that needs to be accounted for because you want to know what? We have nobody on our defense that can run with this guy. Anthony Schwartz comes in from day one, and it'll be a limited role. But when he's on that field with Odell, with Jarvis Landry, with Nick Chubb, people are going to have to put their attention to this third-round rookie just due to the fact that he literally runs 4-3. There's not many people in the NFL that can do that. And he can. So they're going to have to put attention to it. 
And now you go to the defensive side of the ball. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow start for this defense because there are so many new moving, moving, new moving parts. You're talking anywhere from eight to nine new starters on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of it depends on how you classify Greedy Williams and whether or not he actually is a starter. But I like it because these are the types of guys Joe Woods has talked about since he first got here in January 2020. He wanted flexibility. He wanted essentially to be able to play a lot of nickel and dime, and sometimes in those nickel and dime situations, have safeties manning the linebacker positions. You bring in Ousu Koromoa. He is that type of player. You can do now with Grant Jelpa, with John Johnson III, with Ronnie Harrison. You can have these guys play closer to the line, play some pseudo-linebacker pseudo type of roles. You know, maybe if you're playing against a team that has an extremely mobile quarterback, that may come in handy. You know, because most linebackers are not running with a Lamar Jackson. So you at least want to give yourself a chance where you have somebody that can maybe kind of at least equal the foot speed and maybe gives a better opportunity where Lamar's not going around a corner and taking a seven-yard run and taking a 27 yards. Uh, the defensive line, uh, you, you think about having a player of Miles Garrett, just overall freakish athletic talent. And Jadavian Clowney is a name that you know has always been mentioned similar. Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, these two absolute freaks in nature you know, at the, you know, pass rusher position. Again, big if, obviously, with the, you know, the health concerns, but you bring in a player like Jadavian Clowney. You get Andrew Billings, who the Browns never truly saw, signed him with a free agent contract, COVID hit. They never really got to see him. He took the year, you know, opted to sit out. You bring in a player like Malik Jackson, not a flashy move, but you look up at the end of the year and you find you year in, year out, a player like Malik Jackson, five, six sacks, year in, year out, you know, does a lot of his pass rushing from the interior, interior succeeds there I think you've just given Joe Woods and you know Joe Woods will not make any excuses and he certainly doesn't need them but he's got everything he needs in year one of this Barry Stefanski relationship you were able to get almost everything you needed for the offense year two you were able to basically get everything you need now for the defense it's just basically now making it all work marinating it all together and of course defense sometimes comes along a little bit slower than offense um, and they'll probably be a lot better defense come November than they will be week one in Kansas City. Um, but it's really hard not to be pumped up, amped up for as good as they were last year, as successful as they were last year, to basically look at what this roster is on paper. And again, it is only paper. But you look at it, and it's really, really something that kind of moves the needles and gets the eyes popping. Yeah, and, and Jeff, looking, you know, the roster again, I think it's been beautifully constructed. But obviously, I know that Baker Mayfield is the guy who makes this team go. You know, he makes the gears turn, much like Lamar Jackson is for Baltimore. He's the main guy. So what are the expectations for Baker Mayfield in year four for him? You know, is is the moment amplified for him? Are you kind of expecting a little bit of what he did in 2020? You're expecting improvement. What's the overall mood in terms of expectations for Baker Mayfield in his year four? I think it'll be tied more to team success. Um, the way this Browns team is, look, he's never going to be in the statistical conversations of a Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he doesn't have the mobility of Lamar Jackson, doesn't run around as much nearly as, you know, Josh Allen. Um, but it's it, it's come to the point, and we saw this in 2018, and we saw it again in 2020. It's, okay, well, if we're not getting it done as a team through 45, 50 minutes, no problem. All right. Give me the ball. Let's go. 
I'll get it done. And you saw it last year with the win in Cincinnati, um, you know, the game where you had lost Odell and everybody kind of, you know, everybody was looking around like this isn't a really great situation. And Baker went out there, lit it up with his old buddy, Richard Higgins, found a way to get Donovan Peoples-Jones heavily involved. Um, then you go again to Tennessee, went down there and basically just drove a spear through the heart of the Titans for the first, for, uh, you know, the first 30 minutes, um, all of it on him. And this is where it's getting interesting because it's looking more and more like maybe there will not be a contract extension for Baker Mayfield during this summer, which I think maybe for Baker Mayfield, that's probably the best thing. Um, Cause if this 2021 season is going to go, like it looks like it's going to go, why sign now? Um, Cause now you can say, look, you know, whatever you wanted to say about my 2019 season, that's fine. Uh, my 18 season was solid. My 20 season was solid. My 2021, my, you know, the bear, you know, to actually say the Browns are in the conversation of being a Super Bowl contender. He goes out there and gets this team to either the next phase of the playoffs, perhaps somehow an absolute shooting star. The Browns are playing in the Super Bowl. That number for Baker Mayfield just goes, you know, more and more and more, you know, higher to his end. And he'll never, he's never, again, he's never going to be in the statistical threshold of some of these other guys. But for the city and for where this franchise is, you know, the Ravens have been a successful franchise before. Um, so, you know, it's not like, you know, there's, you know, Lamar can carry that for them. For Baker, it's, oh, yeah, well, since this franchise has been back, what quarterback did you have that was good? And, you know, just having him as part of it, he's great within the city. He absolutely loves the community. We had, There's such a great nucleus of players anywhere between like 27 to 21 years old. They're all close. They all talk. They all spend a lot of time together. It's just really, really turned out to be the perfect marriage. And even if Baker's not putting up the type of numbers that we saw, you know, at, you know that he had at Oklahoma and, you know, the type of system he played in there his thing is is when you need me to go get it done by all means let me go do it but you know he's understanding of the fact that he has a great great offensive line he has a fantastic running game and even more so this year those games last year where they went out and had some big first halves these games shouldn't be nail biters in the second half because now you have the personnel on the defense to say no problem you want to throw it 35 times we're ready for it. We have that type of personnel to play this. And it's just going to be, you know, it should be a great, great just marriage of everything, you know, of the defense now being up on the level of where the offense was as 20, as 2020 was closing down. Yeah. And I, I, I am expecting a good year from Baker Mayfield. I think he has the talent around him to have a really good year as well as, you know, we've seen, what he can do, for example, in 2018, as you mentioned, as well as 2020. So I'm expecting a good year from Baker Mayfield. And I know, obviously, the 2018 draft class, whether it be Mayfield, Allen, Jackson, right? Those guys are all in line for big money extensions. So we'll start to see that, I think, rolling in maybe as soon as this summer or as the summer winds down for some. And then at the end of next season for others, we're going to head into our final break here and when we get back we'll be getting a bit into the schedules for both teams advantages disadvantages for both so stay tuned for that and we'll be right back baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including mlb and all your ufc and mma action some changes here folks but of course guys very excited 
two to three weeks away from NFL preseason action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Again, sign up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Jeff Lloyd, Kevin Ostriker, as we continue here, a little crossover action. Um, but look, there's no hiding it. Um, you know, Ravens fans, I see you guys talking about the Browns. My Browns fans, I know I see you guys talking about the Ravens. I think everybody knows, you know, of course, what could be coming this season. And of course, you know, the history between these two franchises, former franchise, however you want to clarify it. But, but Kevin, the first question I have with this is um, when this schedule came out and for Browns fans, it was like, all right, well, you know, we think we put Pittsburgh in the rear view. We don't think Cincinnati's here yet. It's all about the Ravens. Whoa, 20 days in a row, only two games, bye week in the middle. The Browns can basically shut their eyes to the rest of the world for 20 days and say it is nothing in this building but taking care of business against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and I think that's really – that might have been the first thing I noticed when I looked at this schedule for Baltimore. Wait a minute, who did this? <laughs> right, exactly. And so what it is for Cleveland is, right, you have the away game in Baltimore, and then you have the bye, and then you have the home game against Baltimore. Actually, funny enough, it's week 14, and I think we all know what happened week 14 of last season, which, you know – It was a late, late, late Monday night, if I recall right, correctly. Right, right. Game, game of the year, in my opinion, or at least one of them. But what the Ravens have on the flip side of what Cleveland has is they have that home game in week 12. Then they have to go to Pittsburgh and play the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. And then they have to go to Cleveland and play the Cleveland Browns the next week. So instead of having the Cleveland advantage where it's, you know, shutting everything down, you look to Baltimore, it's all Baltimore. They have the week for Cleveland. Then they have to focus on Pittsburgh and then it's back to Cleveland and in Pittsburgh despite what everybody thinks and regardless of whether you know you think they're going to be bad they're going to be good that game it's a divisional game it's going to be no gimme none of these divisional games will be for the ravens for any team that's playing in their division so you know the, the schedule works and advantages for for some disadvantages for others right there are always going to be advantages and disadvantages but i think when you look at who the ravens play over their last seven opponents five of their last seven games are against division rivals with the green bay packers and the los angeles rams thrown in there i mean you you have that tough stretch there cleveland pittsburgh cleveland i think baltimore wins the first game in week 12 and then they lose the second in week 14. i think that's an even split both teams are very talented and you know i'm there there are no excuses right i'm, I'm not chalking up the the Cleveland Pittsburgh Cleveland is an excuse all Baltimore is going to lose because of this. No, I mean, I think they're going to be competitive, but I just think the Browns are a talented team. I know obviously it was the split in 2019 with that week four game going to Cleveland and then week 16, I think it was going to Baltimore, Baltimore sweeps Cleveland in 2020. I think it'll go back to a split in 2021. So the schedule overall for Baltimore, they had that easy schedule in 2020 over the course of the last couple of weeks in December, they ended up winning their last five getting into the postseason. So now it's a little bit different where you have some easier games at the front of their schedule, you know, games against Detroit in week three, Denver in week four, the Chargers in week six, you know, you have Cincinnati week seven, 
But this is this is a difficult year for I think the entire AFC North going up against the AFC West and the NFC North. So I think we'll see what happens. But I I, I did look and I saw that Cleveland Pittsburgh Cleveland. That's what stuck stuck out to me at first. <laughs> um, and I, I agree with you one thing. I, I think whoever wins the first Baltimore Brown game is going to lose the second one because I believe these franchises. I think everybody just knows each other so well. And, you know, they're maybe basically able to, you know, you know, ca- you know, act, counteract, you know, to whatever each each team is doing. So it'll certainly be interesting how that plays out. And one thing, and as much as I love to rib the Steelers, you know, and every time I try to do it or I have a guest on here, you know, their usual retort is, well, what do you think of Mike Tomlin? I think Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. And the thing is, well, if my, you think Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach, then, you know, they're not just basically going to, you know, go gentle into the good night. It's just not going to work that way. Mike Tomlin isn't wired that way, even if he maybe does have his eyes set on what's next at the quarterback position for the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe the front office, certainly Ben Roethlisberger does not agree, but you know, as a coach, you got to realize, well, you know, this has been a nice chapter, but you know, I, I know I'm getting to, you know, looking forward to maybe the next chapter of my professional life here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do want to bring up the Bengals a little bit. Um, they were plucky, obviously at times with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I, I I still wonder if they've done enough to the offensive line, especially after, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be coming off of the surgery that he's coming off of. But, you know, you, Jamar Chase, even if it, you know, if you still feel it was the wrong selection, he's going to be a player. You've got T Higgins, Joe Mixon looks like he is going to be healthy. They're, they're getting there. They, you know, they are, they are on the highway to respectability. I, I don't think they are going to be this, easy out like we've experienced with the Bengals for a couple of years now no Jeff I don't think so either I think honestly look I don't personally think they did enough on their offensive line but that's honestly I think they improved it where I'm more concerned for them is on the defensive side of the ball it seems like you know their defense had struggled already in 2020 and then they lose William Jackson and they lose Carl Lawson I don't think Trey Hendrickson is worth the money that Cincinnati gave him. Their cornerback room is a little suspect right now. Jesse Bates, obviously one of the best. Phenomenal player. Awesome, awesome player. But outside of that, you know, who do they have that is a true star on the defense that can make a huge impact? It's of that Jesse Bates level. I, I don't really see a guy. They have a bunch of pieces. Maybe Logan Wilson takes a jump in his second season out of Wyoming. They have the the young pieces there. Cincinnati, I think, in a couple of years is going to be a, a great team. You know, challenging for the AFC North. Obviously, Burrow will improve the the Chase Burrow connection. Whether that will be good or not, I think it will be, but we'll see. And then when they fix their offensive line as well. But for me, the concern doesn't really lie within the offense. I think they have the weapons now. Joe Mixon coming back from that injury that really was just nagging him for the entire year. He didn't really get to play a lot. For me, it's on the defensive side of the ball. How can they respond after losing? William Jackson, and after losing Carl Lawson. And Jeff, that kind of gets into a question I have for you about the AFC North in general. We've talked about Pittsburgh. We've talked about Cincinnati. And I think we've we've both kind of established that we think that the Ravens and Browns will be the two competing for the AFC North title. Do you have record predictions for both the Browns and the Ravens where maybe they finish with the same record or they finish a game within each other? How do you think the AFC North stacks up here, you know, as, as we kind of head into training camp and start to get revved up for the 2021 year? See, well, this is where obviously things are going to be the most difficult for this Browns franchise. It's literally, it's not just expectations. It's expectations to be great. Good enough, good isn't good enough anymore, um, especially after what they did last year. 
13 and four. I, you know, and it feels so weird to say these type of numbers now that we're talking about 17 games, but 13 and four, I think that's feasible. Um, you know, obviously week one, Kansas city, tough drawer going to green Bay on Christmas day. First things first, the Browns playing in a, in a primetime game on Christmas day against, you know, the NFL's beloved green Bay Packers crazy, but you know, are you ready for that moment? You know, are you ready for, you know, that type of game against that type of franchise? Obviously, it's going to be a big, meaningful game for everybody that late in the season. But, you know, I look at some of these other games and, you know, look, the AFC West, I think the Chargers are in an uptick. I think the Broncos are a team that are stuck in park. Um, they did. I mean, all of these Aaron Rodgers rumors or whatever, not that he was ever going to Denver. But that doesn't do anything for a player like Drew Locke. It, it does nothing for him. Um, it, there's no way you gain any confidence or you feel any better about your situation when basically there's a you know top quarterback in the league, pure Hall of Famer, basically saying, I'd like to leave here and go play for that franchise. Uh, so that certainly doesn't help. I, I just think they are so wired. And now that they are so comfortable in their own skin of who they are as a team, if Joe Woods can get this defense right, and it doesn't take longer than it should to get this defense right. I think 13-4 and four is feasible. I'm not saying the Ravens couldn't put up an identical record. They most certainly can. Um, but I I feel confident, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't even know what the hell the tiebreaker would be if they split and ended up with the same record. Um, you're going to start bringing mathematicians into the equation. But, you know, for me, I, I just – if it's if it's not – Cleveland's year this year, then I don't know what more else they can do. Then it just becomes maybe whether or not it's a mental hurdle, you know, with the Ravens because they've got it in spades. You know, they have like 12 offensive linemen right now on the roster, all who are going to be on NFL rosters last year, obviously next year, obviously they can't keep them all. They're deep, three deep at running back. They're four deep at tight end. They're six deep at wide receiver defensively, you know, how they're going to find a way to only keep 25 guys, I have no idea. But it's a great position to be in. So if they truly can't get it done this year and win this division, you know, there's going to be some, well, you know, can we ever get past Baltimore? Yeah, and and honestly, for for whichever team is the one who loses out on the North title this year – I don't, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, these two teams were set up for the future so well over the next uh, three, five, seven years where it's probably going to be, and then you throw Cincinnati into the equation a couple of years down the line, and Pittsburgh will, you know, they'll, they'll have to figure out their quarterback situation and whatnot. But the, these two teams right now are the two, I think it could honestly flip-flop each year. You know, personally, right now, I have both teams at 13 and four with some, you know, crazy. I think it's conference record, a conference record tiebreaker just slightly going to Baltimore, but it could honestly go either way. <laughs> and I don't think either way, you know, discounts what a team who gets a wild card spot, let's say at five, did that year. You know, some I know looking back to the, the 2018 year, you know, Kansas City in, in the Los Angeles Chargers both had amazing years, but the Chargers got the wild card spot at five despite having might have been a 12 and four record. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was a good record. So either way, I think both of these teams will be competing for the AFC North three years to come. I think both teams have set themselves up for success in the future. And I think at the end of the day, the AFC North is going to remain one of the best divisions in football for a very long time. But Jeff, 
I think that's all that I have for you. Do you have anything else for me? Um, no, and I think I actually just got my juices flowing even more. And this is probably why I reached out to you the other day. Um, you know, this time of year, if for those who don't understand, there's just nothing left. I mean, we've literally squeezed the orange dry. The only question left is to eat the peel. Look, we need camp. We all need camp here. You fans need it. For us who produce content, especially on a daily basis, we need it. We need new storylines. We need fresh storylines. But I knew having a conversation like this and, you know, Ravens, obviously eyes on the Browns. Browns, certainly eyes on the Ravens. Oh, Kevin, I cannot wait. I can't wait either, Jeff. And, and you know, it's 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 amazing doing a daily podcast every day on a team, especially one that, that is competitive and is good. And I know that, you know, for the Browns, for the Ravens, two teams who are going to be at the top of the AFC this year in some way, shape or form, I, you know, obviously injuries happen, you know, un, unprecedented things happen. But now heading into training camp, we're going to get those storylines. We're going to start to begin to see how the new additions match up and how they mesh in with the with the old roster. And I, I am also extremely excited for this. But Jeff, it was a pleasure talking with you today. And obviously, we'll we'll meet up again in week 12 and maybe even potentially earlier if we have content we're going to put out there. But it was a pleasure today. Uh, always a pleasure talking with you, Kevin. And, you know, look, uh, you know, for, you know, the two of us, you know, who cover these franchises like we do, you know, you've kind of gotten a little bit of accustomed to this. Um, but, uh, you know, for me doing shows, you know, late into January. Yeah, that's a good time. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. The playoffs are the best time. The season starts in January. You just got to get there first. And I know that <laughs> these teams, I think, will be playing into January for sure. 100%. Uh, for Kevin Ostreicher, the Locked On Ravens podcast, me personally, Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Browns, uh, we appreciate you all so much. Um, and good news, folks, the wait, the wait is pretty much about over. Training camp, 2021, Ravens, Browns, about to commence.